living in all colors. Life is a dream for all to live to its fullest. Life is a dream that demands all of our attention this day. Life is a dream that God, God himself, Father, Mother, has given to all of us here on this earth plane. Life is a dream worth investing in each other and in ourselves. And no matter how much it costs us, life is a dream of pure, unconditional love and light. Life is a dream worth mentioning to others to help share these worlds. Life is a dream worth sharing for generations to come. Life is a dream if only you choose to be a main player in it. Life is a dream worth living if you choose to love with all your heart and soul. Until each of us connect once again, I personally want to thank my special guest, Linda, tonight for all her love, her support, not only to, to the show, but to each and every one of you. I love each all of, of every one of you, and I've missed you all very dearly, and I thank you for coming forth to support me with your love, your kindness, and your generosity not only to yourselves, but to me and the show as well. Until we meet again, remember, you are, I am, the power and the intelligence of you, my world, and activities. On that note, I want to bless each and every one of you, and I will say, until we meet again, be safe, be peace, be love, and celebrate your lives. And good night to each and every one of you. Mahalo. This is my destiny.
Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is the Street Smart Spirituality Hour right here on bbsradio.com. We are thrilled to be part of this powerhouse network, and we have got a fabulous, fabulous show for you today. I don't know uh, if any of you have ever kind of wallowed around in this idea of scarcity. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Thomas Troward called it self-starvation. If that's what's going on, or if you say, nope, that's not what's going on for me, then perhaps one or two things are happening. One thing may be that you absolutely are not wallowing around in it. The other thing may be you don't have to, you know, you don't have what you need to recognize it. But today, you are going to be invited to a life-changing, a transformative conversation. That conversation is with Victoria Castle. She is the author of The Trance of Scarcity. Hey, stop holding your breath and start living your life. Uh, One of the things that I know, I've talked with uh, Victoria several times. Uh, I know her work. I've read her book. I know people that are working with her. And one thing you can count on, you can count on changing your life if you are willing to do what needs to be done. Victoria, thank you so much for joining the show today. Oh, Pat, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, I love, first of all, I love the title of the book. Uh, and, of course, I mentioned the trance of scarcity. I love the title. And what I love about it is this idea that we are walking around in this trance and we don't have a clue that what we're, what we're creating for ourselves is exactly what we don't want. Yeah, we keep breathing the air, <laughs> keep holding the virus, and so as far as we know, this is reality. This is the way it is. We might as well just get used to it. Okay, so my question is going to be, uh, what was it about your life? I mean, what were some of the things that you broke through, some of the challenges you had to go past so that you realized that you were, A, walking around in a trance, and B, didn't want to be there anymore? <laughs> Well, for uh, a number of decades, I was the poster child of uh, self-doubt and not enoughness. I mean, it really was just my constant mantra. Oh, I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not lovable enough. I'm not eligible enough. I'm not young enough, old enough. You name it. There was always uh, some prevailing deficiency about me. And right along with that, I kept finding myself saying things like, well, that'll never happen. Oh, it's too late for that. You know, there's not enough of that to go around. Yeah, right. That's, <laughs> I, you know, I'll, I'll never make the cut kind of thing. They, they won't be interested. And I, um, oh, I certainly spent uh, the first 30 years of my life desperately seeking enough approval that I might actually one day be enough. And then I thought I could relax. You know, I thought there was something I could get there, and then things would be great. But it was always out of reach. And uh, <laughs> then in my, when my first marriage uh, ended in my mid-30s, I really got to, um, oh, what shall we say? Uh, I, I refer to that in my book as Victoria's Adventures in Hell, and that's really what it felt like because everything crashed in, everything, my health. Uh, my marriage, my father died. Um, I looked for work for months and couldn't find work, so I was down literally to my last $86. It was just, 
There was nothing good happening. Oh no, that's like a that's like crash and burn. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, one of my friends said, "Boy, you're really efficient. You're doing it all at once." Oh. <laughs> and then I just like you know, in the midst of this kind of victimhood and despair, and what have I done wrong, and why do I deserve this? This light came on and went. Hang on a second. You're, we're treating this like this is the only way it can be. Like, huh. What if it could be different? What would it look like then? So I, I literally poked a hole through what I thought was a concrete wall just by poking at it. Went, hmm. You know, there's a lot of other people that um, have less than me and are actually happy, and there's a lot of people that seem to have everything in the world that we say we want, and they're never satisfied. Now, wait a minute. It's not just about what's being done to me or or uh, what can't be changed. It's something about my attitude in here. And, and I just kept following that thread and found this nasty little thing called the trance of scarcity. Well, the trance of scarcity, for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. This is our Street Smart Spirituality Hour, and I'm here with Victoria Castle, the author of The Trance of Scarcity, and an individual that... Um, who has decided to take her gift out into the world, touch thousands of people, and, you know, create an opening for each and every one of us to step through that portal, to step through the portal where we can absolutely wake up to the abundance of the universe. And that's just not a phrase. I mean, let's get down to, let's get down to this, Victoria. I mean, we hear so much these days about abundance, create the affirmation, and make sure you're doing your, your, your mantras every day. And basically, I've got to ask you, what do you think of all of that? <laughs> Thank you for asking me that question, Pat. I think we're doing a lot of hooey and not getting much results. I'm telling you we are doing the hooey. <laughs> and it certainly isn't because people aren't sincere and because people genuinely have the desire. So I, I, I don't want to belittle that in any way. But we keep holding it like Maybe if just possible, if we're good enough at the right moment when the moon is in the right place, <gasps> then the clouds will part and grace will come into our lives. That we still hold it as like it's separate from us and pretty much unattainable. Or, unfortunately, this happens for a lot of us, it, certainly in, as, as we begin our spiritual path, I'll just rise above everything that's worldly or material. I'll get my consciousness so high that I won't be... Um, contaminated by the world, and then I can have the life I want. And abundance is about being right here in the seat you're sitting in, not, you know, rising above it. It's being more deeply in it, actually, but from a very different starting point. And that's the starting point of I already belong rather than I have to earn my way in. Yeah, because we're always trying to earn our way out. I mean, it's always, you know, it's like the ladder that seems to never have an end. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You put one foot in front of the other and you climb higher and higher and there just seems to be no end. And so this book, uh, and it, it, for me, this book is about giving a beginning and giving an end, so to speak, so that people understand that what they desire is truly their birthright and they're really in charge of making it one step or a thousand steps. Is that right? Yeah, and that we... Um We've been working really hard on the things that don't make a difference. We've been working really hard on being good enough. We've been working really hard on um, saying just the right thing, being in just the right place. And as I kept researching this more, it's like to me it it distills down 
to how do I currently create my reality? What are the elements of that? Because those are the very things that can create the reality I want. And to me, there are two. And so I, I like to simplify it without um, making it um, simplistic. But the two elements are basically the stories I tell myself or the stories I live in minute to minute, you know, year after year after year. Mm. And how I embody those stories, how those really get into my bones and my tissue and my nervous system, because that's what creates my reality. That's what creates my lens of how I look at life and what I perceive determines how I behave, determines what I do, determines, ta-da, there it is. So if we roll it all the way back to what creates reality, the two pieces that we have complete access to we can shift those. But we're usually working on either circumstances or trying to rise above something, or this is, this is the part that I think is so costly and so dangerous about the trance of scarcity, is it has us believing that we're inside of the fact that there's not enough. Now, have the best life you can. And I'm saying that the trance of scarcity is just that. It's a story that we keep treating like the truth. It, it, it uh, perpetuates lack, separation, and struggle. Yep, that's the way life is. Now, good luck. Get out there. Well, what if that wasn't the story? What if the story was there's plenty and I already belong to it? How would I be operating in life versus, yep, there's not enough and I'm not enough. And, you know, maybe if I'm really lucky, I'll be able to make the house payments, send my kids to college, have the job I really want. We, 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 self-starvation is a really beautiful way to phrase it. It's a great phrase. I mean, and, and, uh, and it's a phrase that I related to, and the, you know, what I'm referring to in the term self-starvation, of course, is the work of Thomas Troward when he came out and he's talking about the power of opulence and having that spirit and uh, what that means. For those of you just tuning in, let me just tell you that we're having a conversation today that if you choose will allow you to transform your life. I'm here with Victoria Castle, coach to executives and social entrepreneurs. She is the author of The Trance of Scarcity and has helped thousands of people turn in, trade in, cash it in, whatever you want to say, struggle and self-doubt for fulfillment and ease. This is her work. She is a master somatic coach in integrating all of the whole, all of the self into the uh, embodiment of abundance. Uh, you will hear lots about Victoria, where she is, what she's teaching. We'll mention some of her workshops. But basically, if you're following online right now and you want to take a peek, www.tranceofscarcity.com, www.tranceofscarcity.com. Check it out. Uh, we also are going to be taking some calls throughout this show today because this is an invitation. If you are stuck in some part of your life, and you would like some help, this is the show right here that you want to come to. We have uh, started this show from day one where we enable each and every one of you to pick up the phone and call in. And our friends right there at bbsradio.com are ready to take your call and bring you online. And so for each and every one of you, you can call one eight seven seven eight seven six five two two seven. That's 877-876-5227, and we will take your question and try to help you start the path of abundance. But as you said, it's already there. It's yeah, already it's, there. 
it's not it's not about maybe I'll arrive at the right place. It's like l- letting myself relax into I'm in the right place. And you know that sounds so wonderfully flowerly. Oh gee, all I have to do is relax and then I'll be able to pay my rent. Well, <laughs> there actually is something to that because from the embodiment part of it, of how we embody our stories. So if I'm not enough and there's not enough and it'll never work and, geez, you know, I just don't get a break. If those are the stories that I tell myself, they live in my whole system. And by body, I don't just mean from the neck down. I mean the the biological aspect of our humanness. They live in my nervous system. So I, it's very likely that I'm height, that I'm holding my breath, that I'm furrowing my brow, that I'm pushing through, that I, you know, that my stomach is in a knot much of the time, that I hold tension in my jaw or my hands or, or, you know, or wherever it may be in my body, or that I am so overwhelmed by that, that I've, I've really drawn back in, like my, almost like my eyes kind of sink back in my head and my head may be pulled back. Um, I, I want to get as far away from life as I can because it's just too unpleasant. And taking on that physical, that psychobiological structure then perpetuates the experience of struggle. That's why looking at the two of them is so key. And there's great work about pay attention to what you're thinking, what are your thoughts, you know, great work there. Oh, yeah. The piece that we've overlooked, though, is this piece of, of embodiment of the somatic piece, and soma, S-O-M-A, is a Greek word that means the living self as a whole, mind, body, spirit, the lived experience. And so if we don't attend to the whole self, we can say affirmations forever and ever and ever, and nothing changes because our nervous system is still operating on, yep, but under pressure, this is what I do. I don't trust, I get tighter. So it's the combination of the two that really creates a whole new landscape for us. And it certainly did for me. I mean, I went from this very pitiful time <laughs> of being a new divorcee, not being able to find work, uh, running out of money. Uh, I was living in Florida at the time, and as my cousin said, it was a good choice because it was flat and I couldn't fall off anything. <laughs> exactly. I occupied with my despair, and from that... I started letting myself be part of the flow of life rather than being on the outside looking at it and going, shoot, I wish I could have some of that. How come I don't get any? So it's the willingness to become one with it rather than acting like it's phono is so very different and separate from me. Well, one of the things that I love, I mean, there are so many things in the book that I love, uh, Victoria, and, and, and and I want to say this, I mean, Every time I, uh, I, I am getting ready to have a conversation with you, whether it's on BBS radio or some other network that you and I get a chance to talk, I get the opportunity to pick up your book. And I have to tell you that the timing of this is so perfect. I don't believe there are any mistakes in the universe. And, you know, at the same time, every time I open the book, I turn to a page. And that page is filled with information. Let me just ask you about this because the page that I happened to turn to a few minutes ago had a quote on the page, and and I think this is what we're talking about. I think it was by Benjamin Disraeli, and the quote is, we are not creatures of circumstance, we are creators of circumstance. How can we communicate to people that are listening today to say, that quote is for you? 
You're not a creature of your circumstance. You are the creator, but say it in a way that we're not really eating up the guilt and the shame from perhaps our past. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, we, all of us, certainly in this country, have been raised in the story of struggle is the way to get there. We've been raised in it. We've been marinated in it. We couldn't be seeing it any other way, literally, unless we had some remarkable parents or teachers who said, no, no, don't pay attention to that. I, I want you to start listening to that. So it, it's completely normal that we would be from the orientation of like, yeah, you know, there's not enough. you got to work hard. Some people are lucky and some people aren't. That keeps us stuck and sort of on the hamster wheel. But the piece to get is that it looks like if we manipulate the circumstances, then we can have the life we want. It really does look that way. So we tend to put all of our energy and attention out there, get them to treat us better. If I just get the right job, oh, that's the house. Whoa, no, that's the partner. So we think if those things fall into place, then we'll have the experience that we want. But the fact is we generate our experience in every minute anyhow, regardless of circumstances. You can just think about it as um, a number of people at the same party. They're there in the same room, same music, same people, same food, same time. Very different experiences. So it isn't the circumstances that determine it, but boy, it looks like it does. So if we even entertain the thought that we have dominion over our experience, and I know that this isn't new for most people that are thinking in, in spiritual terms, but... We say we understand it, but we still keep going back to try to get circumstances to be different. If it really is in my domain, then in this moment, I'm creating the experience I'm having. My circumstances aren't. Now, it may be I don't have enough money to pay my rent. Well, that, that's a fact. I don't, it's just my rent is due, and I don't have sufficient money. And I can still have a multiple, uh, multiple choices of what experience I'm going to have around that. I, I remember one time when I um, was very close, money-wise, to um, not being able to make it. And I uh, went for a long walk in the woods, and I came back, and a friend had called, and she said, where were you? And I said, I was out taking hikes. How can you be out walking at a time like this? Oh, right. I know. Because I should be doing what? Sitting home and panicking? What, what is that going to create? I, I know it's going to work out. I'm giving it space to work out rather than me getting in such a tight clinch that nothing's going to be able to flow through. All right. Okay. Now you just hit the button for me. <laughs> now, we're, now we're cooking here because here is the thing that I, I, I really want you to elaborate on because this is what I love about what you said. When your friend, you know, connected with you and said, what are you doing? Why are you out there walking? And you said, I, am, I, am, I know this is going to work out. I'm confident about that. I, I need to, I don't remember your exact words, but it was something like, I need to, you know, relax and let this unfold, so to speak. Right. Do yeah. we get in our way by our own panic tactics? You know what I'm saying? How, how does that affect the flow? Oh, and bless our sweethearts. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, if it doesn't look good for us to get panicked, it is completely reasonable. If, if we think we're in danger, and so if we go back to the fact that we are, to our psychobiologies, to the biological part of us, the way our nervous system is wired up is when we perceive threats, 
when we perceive threat, mm-hmm. we go into fight or flight. We That's don't right. choose to go into fight or flight. We go there. It's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, what am I going to have to do here? And our whole system and our blood chemistry reorganizes to take care of this um, potential threat to us, this danger. But what we have ended up doing in our culture present day is we never get out of fight or flight. That's right. We see everything as a threat. We see everything as a reason to get tight, to get hard, to push harder, to run away, to ignore, to do whatever we do. So we literally, you know, the image for me is if I have energy running through me and I start squeezing down that energy so it can't really move, that's going to produce a certain kind of experience for me, no matter how much I might want to have things be great. If I've got myself tied in a knot, it's just like kinking the hose when I'm trying to water the lawn. If the hose is kinked, it can't flow. So to be looking for where am I very innocently kinking my own hose. Like, and, and I don't like to think of it as like, you know, you're getting in your own way. Shame on you. But what are we doing that is taking us out of the flow? And how can we step back into the flow? And one part of it as, as um, elemental as it sounds, is to relax our bodies, to relax our breath. To, in this moment, if you're sitting, to let yourself really relax into the chair so the chair is doing the work holding you up and you're not keeping yourself tight and stiff. To notice, if, gee, do I tend to have tightness or, or do I ever get tired around my eyes or my jaw? a good indication that you hold tension there all the time. Do we need to hold that tension? No, but it's habituated now. You know, life's tough. Got to hurry up. Got to get through. I mean, I know it for me that when I feel like I have a lot to do and I succumb to, I better hurry because you know this isn't going to work out and if it doesn't work out, then oh my God, then I immediately, my breath comes up tight in my chest I clench my jaw because I'm going to get things done. I um, don't uh, breathe very deeply. I keep a lot of tension in my legs and my knees. And um, I start to squeeze my eyes a little bit. And before long, I'm like, you know, in a little wad. (laughs) Exactly. And in the beginning, as I got these distinctions, I had signs everywhere for myself that would say things like jaw, eyes, breath. <laughs> check, check them. Check them. Where are they? Oh, look at that. They're tight yet again. The great news, though, is that when we notice we have a habituated be- way of being, that's not the end of the story, even though it can sure feel like it. You know, people that say, hey, I've always been this way. I'm always going to be this way. That's the way it is. Well, it turns out we are much more malleable than perhaps we've even been led to believe. And it's not so much about I'm trying to change my personality. But I can retrain my nervous system. I can. I can retrain it that under stress, I'll go to that fight or flight, and then I can move to the place of centering when my breath is full and deep, and I can really feel my feet on the ground, and I can let there be space around me. I can train that into my system so that from there I have infinitely more choices than if I'm only caught in. That's danger. i got to get tight push through, and, and, you know, it's not going to turn out anyway, but let's go. 
So it, it opens the door to possibilities again. And I love the way you put that. I mean, it does open the door to possibilities. And the the thing that I, I want to go over with you, Victoria, is this idea that we live in the world of unlimited possibilities. But before I do that, let me invite uh, any new listeners that are joining us right now. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. This is our Street Smart Spirituality Hour. My guest right now today is Victoria Castle, the author of The Trance of Scarcity, uh, Stop Holding Your Breath and Start Living Your Life. What I'd like to do is invite you, if you've got a comment, a question, if you're stuck and would like to get some help right now to get unstuck, let's call that toll-free number. And what I'd like to offer the first two people that call in with a question or comment We'll send you a copy of the book, The Trance of Scarcity. The number is one eight seven seven eight seven six five two two seven. That's one eight seven seven eight seven six five two two seven. Give us a call, comment, question, and we will help you out and send you a copy of the book. Because taking action is the first part for for so many people. You know, I want to ask you a question, Victoria, because I know the work that you're doing. I know that you're offering um, new seminars and teleclasses, and I want to make sure that people know how to find out more information about those. And I would like to talk a little bit about the Embodied Abundance Telecourse because uh, the title in itself, to me, invites people that perhaps are stuck, which can't wrap their minds around abundance, to actually participate with other people and go on that journey and get some help to get to, to really get to the place of abundance. And I think there's two things that I think are really key. One is just what you said about learning with others. Because for many of us, we hold this like we're a little ashamed that we don't have this worked out. <laughs> That's right. I don't want to really let, everybody's got this worked out, but me, I don't really want to expose that. And then people get come into the course and go, oh, everybody's got this going on. Oh, great. So it, it relieves something right there. And the piece about embodiment, um, there's a couple of great phrases. One is a New Guinea proverb, proverb that says, it's only a rumor until it's in the muscle. And it's really speaking about getting things conceptually. It's lovely to have things conceptually, but they're not available to you under pressure. We go to what's embodied under pressure. So if we can train in new ways of being, then we have a capacity for something else. And another phrase that I just heard recently, until it's happened in the body, it hasn't happened. So for us to be in the practices of flow, of ease, of gratitude, generosity, whatever they might be, <clears throat> that retrain our orientation, that move us away from, uh, you know, our organizing principle of, ah, it's going to be tough, but I'll get through somehow, to, I'm going to make a lot of room for life to happen just as easily as it wants to happen, which is really the, the shift I made from, if I'm really good and work really hard, <laughs> maybe I won't disappoint anybody, maybe finally... I can get it to all happen. And now the, the um, context, the story that I'm operating in is I'm going to let this be as easy as it wants to be. And I can assure you that there's a part of me that still goes, oh, man, she's really lost it now. Yes, yeah, she's <laughs> really. Wants to be. Isn't that sweet? But the fact is, if that's my orientation, then I'm watching for how it wants to be easy. Then my body is relaxed in a way 
that I have much better timing. I'm not using myself up fretting about things. I have creativity and innovation that I don't have when I'm all <gasps> hunkered down and tight. So it, it's actually been a very good stretcher for me. I'm going to let it be as easy as it wants to be. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and um, and lo and behold, it might be. I mean, well, this yeah. is the, this is the magic in this. I mean, this is really the magic in this. That if we dare to, let's call it an experiment. If we dare to experiment with the idea of of abundance, and we we step up and we say, well, you know what? I'm going to try that right now. Lo and behold, what you find is it actually does work. And and this is the piece, and that it is the stories we tell ourselves that really makes the difference. So scarcity is a story. It's not a fact. And, and I know that that sounds ridiculous when we have people starving on the planet, and I feel very strongly about that. The fact is there are 3,000 people, 3, people a day that die of starvation. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now, that doesn't mean there's scarcity. So we have a story that the reason that people are dying is because there's scarcity. What if the reason people are dying is because we keep telling ourselves this cultural story that there's not enough, so, oh, look, not everybody's going to get fed. It's a story. Scarcity is a story. Well, abundance is a story, too, but it's a much more useful story. So I'm not even asking people to say you have to believe absolutely that the truth is that there is abundance. Just like you're saying, Pat, entertain the thought and see what happens. If there was abundance, if I am part of the natural flow of life, if life does want to be easy, what would it occur to me to be doing in this moment? What would it occur to me to be seeing, thinking, interacting with, as opposed to, yep, there is not enough, everybody knows it, not everybody gets a break, and, you know, you better hurry up because otherwise you won't get any. That determines how I think, what I see, who I'm with, and what I'm ultimately going to do. So the piece about story, and that's a lot of what I do both in the courses, the telecourse and the in-person workshops, and in the book, is look at what the current story is that you're basically giving your full allegiance to. I'll never be good enough. Um, it's, it's too late for me to get my turn. Hey, life's not fair. Um, I remember one uh, of my clients whose story was life is unsafe. Well, then it would be, and he was concerned because he just really couldn't get his business going. Well, if life is unsafe, the last thing you want to do is get out there and take a bigger risk. So we looked at, given what he cared about, what would be a more useful story for him. We're just trading story for story. We're not trying to say, okay, we're going to turn this into the rock-solid truth. What would be a more useful story? And who doesn't want to have a little fun with that? Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We, we, after reading your book, let me just share this with you because I think you'll get a little chuckle about this. Um, you and I met, I think it was February, right? Yeah. Okay. We met in person in February, but we had talked on the radio before. And, you know, I read your book and, you know, my folks on the Dr. Pat team, of course, you know, we, we sat down, we read your book, we talked about this a little bit. We sat down at a meeting April 1st and we said to ourselves, we're going to create a story today. It was our planning meeting. And we're going to create a story. And, you know, we, we said to each of us, what's this story going to sound like? What do we want our story to be? And each of us went around and we created a story. 
one of the stories were Victoria, I think you're gonna you're gonna be like laughing about this in a minute. One of the stories were was oh, we would like to take this show into three new internet markets and five new live radio markets. You're driving in your car, that kind of radio, and then internet radio. And we sat down and we said, you know, it would be a good idea to have this happen by the end of the year. <laughs> well, we went on and we elaborated the story. So we have other stories. And here's why I'm saying this. I would like to invite each of you to create a story today. Create the story. Two weeks ago, we had to meet as a team. Now, April 1st, we did the story. Two weeks ago, which is the beginning of August, we had to meet as a team because at that point in time, we had already been approached to take the show into Boston, two stations in Chicago, Tampa, Florida, uh, uh, New York, and San Jose. And we're working out the time frame for that. Now, all of this comes to bear because once you get a story that shows up as reality, Victoria, what happens at that point now where you then get filled with more doubt, more fear, and the question, oh, my goodness, how are we going to get this to work? <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, and that's what happens to us is, uh, whether we're longing for something and it's out of reach or it arrives, it's like, oh, now what? Now what? How are we going to do this? How are we going to pull this off? <laughs> so it throws us back temporarily into that fight or flight response. Uh-oh. Oh, no. We're in trouble. This is dangerous. As soon as we notice that we go back into that, <gasps> the clinch that I, I just referred to it as the clinch, and notice it, then we can shift. We can exhale completely, let out our breath, take a couple breaths, get fully present. And it, and it is more than just taking a breath, but breathing is huge. It is huge. Get fully present and look again from a place where we're centered and connected rather than from a place where we're still fearful and contracted. That contraction is incredibly costly to us. And then it's like, oh, look, okay, so things are coming fast, faster than we thought. Wow, Okay. Well, the universe must really want this to happen, so it must have it all figured out. We're going to stay listening, and we're going to keep listening for what is ours to do. Exactly. Of, okay, everybody, run around quick. Come, jump on the phone. Do this. Oh, my gosh. We, like, yeah, we, we get so um, doubtful of ourselves and of the universe of life itself. And one of the things about... Uh, attracting, and I, in the book I talk about the cycle of abundance. Yes, I was just going to ask you about that because I love that. You call it the six phases of the flow. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a continual flow. It's not just an in-valve and an out-valve. So one of the phase, phases is attracting, and this is where I think a lot of people are working way too hard and getting really poor results because... For some, it looks like, okay, I have to think about it, I have to intend it, I have to be really, you know, really concentrate, I have to look at my visual every day, I have to do all these things to make it come to be. And really, attracting is confident expectation, which means a very relaxed state. And this is, a, this is the, the uh, image that I use. When you park your car and go into your house or your apartment at night, 
the next morning when you're about to go out to your car, how confident are you that it's the same color that it was when you saw it the night before? Do you have any anxiety about it? Do you have any fear? Do you have any, <gasps> I wonder if it's going to be the same color. For most of us, we know. I have no doubt about it. I'm 100% confident. Are you working hard to feel confident about it? No. It's, it's a completely relaxed state. That's what I mean by confident expectation. Not grasping, not straining. I have to intend, I have to intend. It's not that at all. You just have a very clear sense of here's what it is, here's what's coming, here's the way it's going to be. And I always like the phrase, it already is. It already is. How would I be operating if it already is? And with that kind of energy, I hold space for it to come to be but not because I'm being a very good girl, not because I'm doing my requisite um, number of mantras, not because of anything other than that my energy flow is relaxed and it's unkinked. So it's a steady message. Anything that I come back and doubt, I like I turn a flow into Morse code. It's like, oop, interrupt, 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 interrupt. You know, it's kind of like when you put your, anybody who's ever waited tables, you put your order into the cook's you slap it up on the thing, and then every couple minutes you come back and take it away for a minute. And then you bring it back and you take it away and you go, hey, where's my order? It's like, well, we can never fill it because we can't see what it is. It's the same thing that we do ourselves when we get terribly anxious about things. And, and I do want to say, things are tough. When I had $86, I was sitting back with my feet up going, oh, yeah, this is a real ride. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I don't want to belittle that when times are challenging, it, it's completely normal that we would get anxious, but we don't want to stay there. And we do have the capacity to shift our state that we're much more in alignment with flow. And really, we just pretty much have to give you the universe a crack in the door, and it'll come meet us fully. And that's what I want to make sure that we, we emphasize, because... Um, one of the things that I know that you work with people on, and that is this idea of living into greatness. And the notion that all we need to do is put that crack, that message out that this is our desire and the floodgates open has to do with the idea of it really for each of us to really uh, embrace the fact that we are meant for greatness. Some people can't say that. And I want to ask you, when you created Living Into Greatness, and that's a, that's a workshop, uh, let me make sure I get this right, that's a workshop you're going to be doing in Seattle as yes. well as San Francisco. Yes, both of them in September. Okay, so for those of you that are listening uh, from those areas, I just want you to know that there will be a workshop Living Into Greatness in the Seattle area, September 22nd and 23rd. And then in San Francisco, um, that's going to be September 29th to 30th. Did I get that right? Right. Okay. And more of all of this information is on Victoria's website, which is uh, com. Lots of information, including uh, the, um, the telecourse, which starts in September as well, Embodied Abundance. So I want to make sure everybody has that information. Uh, but, you know, in all of this, this idea of greatness, I think people are really struggling to get to that place where they think that they even deserve to call themselves great. Oh, yeah. 
Yes, you know, and, and maybe we can thank our Puritan ancestors for a little of that. Hallelujah. You know, you've fallen from grace, and only maybe if you really, really, really work hard will you ever get back into it. So, again, that's another message that we've pretty much been steeped in. But if you look at being a creator, being a, the creation of an infinitely wise creator, whatever that might look like, whether it's an intelligent universe or a being or whatever it may be, how could we possibly imagine that what it would create is something less than itself? So there is an innate greatness in us that often gets buried young. You know, we show up, we're effervescent, we make a lot of noise, and we quickly get messages of sit down, be quiet, that's enough of that. So we start interpreting those as, oh, who I am must not be okay. Okay, then I'll lop that part off of me. I'll lop that part off. Okay, I'll just get smaller. I'll get quieter. I'll get frozen. Uh, I'll get angry. Here's how I'll deal with it. So it it tends to get driven farther in than we can have easy access to. And the course is simply about getting access again. It is not a self-improvement course. The book is not a self-improvement book. Uh, I I would invite everyone to retire from your career of self-improvement. <laughs> we don't need that. It's about accepting the greatness that we are and giving it room. And for some of us, that means a little excavating to go in and reconnect with it. But it's definitely there. I've never seen it not be there. And I've worked with some people that have been in desperate conditions and have done desperate things in their lives. And what is innately so about them is this greatness, this spark. Bucky Fuller said something, Buckminster Fuller said something wonderful. Everyone is a born genius, but the process of living de-geniuses them. Mm. We, we get it programmed to believe that we're not, that we don't deserve, that we'll never make the cut, that who do we think we are. And so we keep retracting our energy and pulling ourselves even a little farther away from our aliveness rather than stepping into it fully. And, and much of what had me write the book, and let me just say, I, I, I was not somebody that laid around dreaming about writing a book. It was the last thing I wanted to do. <laughs> I'm right there with you. people. Please don't make me write. I know. I'm right there with you. And in, in, with all of my clients, with the thousands of students that I've worked with, is what I've seen very consistently is this deep desire to be of value. And it's really part of human, of being human as far as I'm concerned, the desire to contribute, to be of value. And yet people are thwarted from bringing forth their unique offer or their unique contribution in the world because of these stories of, I'm not enough or there's not enough, so never mind, I have to play it small. As a result, there are a lot of unfulfilled people walking around in the world. And people that could contribute so much to the world. So we lose in two ways. As individuals, we don't have fulfilling lives. And the world loses out because we don't have all this brilliance coming forth from people. I have no doubt that if people have access to their greatness and are free to make their contributions, we have a world at peace. In fact, that's part of my mission in all of this is for those of us that are the least trapped by the trance of scarcity. And I say the least trapped in that that if we have the freedom to be listening to the radio, we're not as trapped as 
too many people are. Exactly. Half of our world population, over 3 million people, live below the poverty line. I'd say they're trapped in this awful trance that with this story that we have perpetuating. There's not enough, there's not enough, there's not enough. So those of us that are less trapped, we get to be the ones to wake up from this, to turn around and help other people wake up from it, and then to start letting our voice be heard as consumers and as people, it, it, our representatives in government, if we're not going to put up with this anymore. We're not going to buy the story that you can't meet the UN Millennium Goals. But we're not going to agree that, yes, some people get to have it in health insurance and some people don't, whatever it may be, but that we don't continue to passively go, yeah, but, you know, that's the way it is, because once we wake up to it, it isn't the way it is, and there's no need to tolerate it anymore. Well, one of the things that we must have struck a chord with a few of our listeners, because I've got a couple of emails in front of me, and these must be from folks that already know the email to send it to. Um, and I should mention it uh, right now. If you have a, a question or comment, uh, please send an email to pat, P-A-T, at thedrpatshow.com, T-H-E-D-R, patshow.com. This is from Joan in New Jersey. Uh, the question is... Um, uh, thank you, Dr. Pat. I love this show today. Okay, here's the problem. I seem to, you know, be cheerful most of the time, but every time I come up with a new idea, it seems like I get slapped down from the people around me. What am I to do? Okay, Victoria, this one's for you. <laughs> well, that happens a lot. Yeah, and, and probably part of it is to expect it. Because, you know, the, the, the story about the crabs in the pot and one crab starts to climb out and the other ones pull them back in. Now, I don't mean that people are malicious and that they, hey, if I'm suffering, you have to suffer too. But when we start to come up with innovations and ways that things can be different, we are rocking other people's reality. And if they've got it to like, okay, I can tolerate this current state and somebody comes along and goes, yeah, but it could be better. Mm. Like, hey, hey, leave me alone, okay? I just got numb enough so that I can tolerate this. So I would expect it. You know, it's, it's kind of the thesis, antithesis, and then synthesis. synthesis. So, yeah, so they want to shoot down my idea. Okay, well, depending who they are, maybe if they're the people you live with or work with, you can't avoid having the conversation with them. But I'd be listening for what is it that they care about and you care about, that you sh have shared care and concern about, that could help them at least entertain your ideas. Because, remember, under pressure, if people perceive danger, if they perceive threat, they go to fight or flight. What helps us come out of fight or flight is to get reconnected to what most deeply matters to us. Not just, in this moment, I want to be comfortable. But, oh, no, what I really care about is my kids having a better life. So I'm willing to listen to your idea, even though I'm uncomfortable about it because it's shaken up my reality. But first thing is don't be surprised and don't be offended. And then look for that place where you can join with them. And if you have something that you're inspired about, don't stop just because somebody said, oh, you got to be kidding, that will never fly. Well, I think that's important. I think that's the information that you know, the, the sense that I get from the email. And, Joan, thank you very much. Um, I'll be sending an email back to you, and I will be uh, sending you a copy of this book. Thank you so much for that question. Uh, you know, we live in a world with other people. 
right? And, you know, we communicate and we sit around and sometimes we share our ideas and we share our concepts and, you know, we, we get some flack for it. I mean, I'm getting flack right now for uh, a new show that we've put up. And there's part of that that says, okay, how important is that to me? And, you know, and, and so we go through life and, and sometimes we get a little bit porous, I think, Victoria. And I think what you've just pointed out is extremely helpful because we get to decide what's the most important thing in front of us right now. Yeah, and that most of us, with the speed with which we're going through life and the amount of demands on our time and our attention and, you know, we got to hustle to get the bills paid and all of that, we lose sight of what we most deeply care about and our attention turns to survival. And survival for us means getting through the day, uh, getting the kids to bed, making sure everybody got fed, putting a load of wash in, finishing that report, doing e- emails at 11 p.m. after everybody's asleep. Well, then the game is simply about, did I get through the day? Oh, why am I doing all this? I have no idea. So it's important for us to take a time out from time to time or to talk with the people that you dearly love and dearly trust about Here's what matters most to me. Tell me what matters most to you. I, certainly, I think for couples, it, it's very worthwhile to do it on a regular basis. Remind me again why we're doing this rat race, because <laughs> we want our kids to have so-and-so or whatever it may be. But to come back to what matters to me most, as opposed to what often happens, is how can I get comfort or how can I get relief? So we, we go, we, we live in the lower brain and the brainstem, the survival brain, more frequently than we'd like to. And when we can become centered, take that breath, reconnect with what matters, we come back into the frontal brain, the neocortex, with that's where uh, cooperation, creativity, innovation, that's where that takes place. And that's really what we're talking about here. I mean, all of this is part of what you've described as, you know, being in the flow of abundance. Um, you know, Victoria, I want to make sure that we give out your information and, and let people know how they can contact you, uh, more about your website, what they, what they can find out about uh, the upcoming workshops. What would, what would be the best way to, uh, where, where should we send people? Uh, the website is the best because it's all there, tranceofscarcity.com. And I also have a monthly free newsletter for people that want to sign up for that, which lets you know of events that are coming up and gives a thought of the month and practice of the month because it's all about practices. Um, and so the, the website is probably the best. If you live on the West Coast, you have a few choices. If you live on the East Coast, let me know and we'll figure something out and I'm happy to come there. I'm, I'm Actually, my, um, my fall is pretty booked and uh, the book which I self-published has gotten picked up by Barrett Kohler Publishing. It's going to be re-released in January of 07. So that there will be certainly more travel, and, and their intention is to get it translated into two or three languages within the first year, which is really thrilling to me. Congratulations to you. Congratulations. Uh, uh, I think that is really a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful accomplishment, and I know that you have learned some of your own techniques along the way. <laughs> oh, geez, I, I'll tell you, if I could embody the book, I would love to say, hey, look, just do what I do. But right now it's learn with me. <laughs> that's right. And that's what, that's what I love about you, Victoria. Thank you so much for joining the show today. 
the book for everyone is The Trance of Scarcity. Uh, Victoria Castle is my very, very special guest today. You know, Victoria, in closing, I would like to ask you, what would be your personal message for people listening to this show live right now and for the thousands that will listen to this show in, in the future, future uh, broadcasts? Primary thing is that you already belong. You already belong to this human community. You already belong to the flow of abundance and life. There's nothing you need to do to earn your way in. So please stop straining and auditioning. And entertain the thought of if I already belonged, how would I be operating? What would I be giving my energy and attention to? How could I let the genius in me, the innate greatness in me, come through? Because what I have to offer is exactly what the world needs. Thank you. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you so much. I want to make sure that everybody knows the website, www.transofscarcity.com. Um, the book is fabulous. Uh, Victoria Castle and I have been talking about many, many things today. You are listening to the Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By, and this is the Street Smart Spirituality Hour. Uh, for more information about all of those, um, you know, markets and, and places that we are going, I think the best way would be to go to our website, www.thedrpatshow.com, T-H-E-D-R-Patshow.com, and you'll be able to check it all out. Um, uh, we're figuring all of this out still, Victoria, uh, being at that place where we have gotten exactly what we've asked for. And now the next step is to say, bring on the sponsors. And I know you yeah. could help me with that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And bring it on is right because the more open and available we are, the more it can come, the more unkinked the hose. So, yes, I, I think you better just get in the practice of uh, saying yes, thank you a lot. <laughs> I've been saying yes, thank you a whole heck of a lot. Uh, and it is really amazing uh, when you sit down and you live the things that you mention in this book and you make it really very easy for each and every one of us to do so. I want to thank you so much. I'm sure you and I will be speaking again. And I look forward to, to talking with you and finding out more about your workshop. Again, uh, transofscarcity.com, Victoria Castle, thank you so much. You rock. Aha, you too. Thank you. And I want to thank my friends at bbsradio.com. Thank you all so much for this broadcast and for all that you are doing. And for all of you listening, as I've said before, you are the best listeners anywhere. You are absolutely fabulous, magnificent. And as a Victoria would say, you are living in your greatness. Now is the time to recognize it. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on bbsradio.com. Make yourselves a great week.